Hello, and welcome to the Colts Cover 2 Podcast. I'm Jolie Erickson. I'm joined, as always, by Nate Atkins. Nate, are the Colts making the playoffs? Uh, at this moment, I will say yes, they're making the playoffs. It's uh, At this point, they've they've done the thing that they've needed to show, which is that they can take care of teams that they're better than. And I think you look forward to the rest of the season. Can they get two more wins? So it depends on the right two games, two to three more wins. But uh, given some of the quarterbacks they're going to face, especially like a like a Mitch Trubisky at home in a couple weeks in what was supposed to be one of the toughest remaining games against the Steelers, I think as of right now, adding Grover Stewart back into the mix, that they do have enough to manage that and what's become just sort of a chaotic bloodbath that is the AFC. Yeah, I – I think the schedule is the biggest thing here. It's just like who they don't like the quarterbacks they don't have to play down the stretch. You know, uh, this is a, this is a season when the NFL has been hit with a ton of quarterback injuries to starting quarterbacks. The the one they were going to see is Joe Burrow, and we'll get to the Bengals in a second. But they they just don't they don't have to play Mahomes. They don't have to play um, Josh Allen. They don't have to play Tua. They don't have to play. Really, any of the the people who are above them in who are at the top of the quarterback rating and and standings right now, they don't have to play any of those guys. They're playing a bunch of guys who are either backups until they get to C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud is the one who's who's the exception to that. But there's a there's a case to be made that if you play well enough, that that game against the Texans, it might not be. I know people are talking about it as like it's like a win and get in thing. It might be two playoff teams just playing out their final game for positioning. Um, the way things are working, because some of the other teams that are in that mix with them, Pittsburgh and Cleveland, have very bad quarterback issues, you know. And so, uh, well, they're, they're going to play Pittsburgh presumably without Kenny Pickett here uh, after they play the Bengals. So I think I think that's the biggest thing. It's just the, these quarterbacks they've been playing because we've now seen it four weeks in a row. They have they've played either um, rookie quarterbacks or comp or backup quarterbacks or compromised quarterbacks. And, you know, they've they've got their uh they they've won all four of those games. So I think if you're playing compromised quarterbacks, it's gonna help. Yeah, no question about it. Especially it's just like they have certain games on the schedule that I just we sit down there the thing that's hard is each week feels like a bit of a coin toss with this team because they have their own backup quarterback in so it's like it's hard to see them just putting a team away just being too much for an opponent but they're also in every game so very much feels like a coin toss but they've had certain games that we we've sat down there right before it starts and we're like if this team wants to be a playoff team this is the game it just finds a way to win and if they lose it it's probably an indictment of where they're at and the fact that they're not ready and I remember saying that right before this last game against the Titans and as wacky and as that was and they went down 17-7 and there are a lot of moments they could have lost it. They found a way to be the team that made the clutch plays late in regulation to to get it tied, and then, uh, you know, or, or to you know to pull ahead and, and get it to overtime, and then on one electric drive in overtime to pull that game out. So as long as they keep doing that, they'll be okay. They'll, they're they're gonna you know they can drop a game in Houston if they're you know that's. If that's a if that's a matter of their quarterbacks a lot better than yours, you know, that's going to be reality sometimes. But the other games on their schedule right now, you would like to think that is not going to be the narrative. You know, you've got Mitch Trubisky, you've got is it 
Taylor Heineke, Desmond Ritter. I kind of forget. Uh, it's really hard to tell with the Falcons. <laughs> it's hard to tell with the Falcons. You've got Aiden O'Connell uh, with the Raiders. And then you've, this week you got Jake Browning. And to be honest with you, I think that this week might be the second toughest behind C.J. Stroud, just at least based on what Jake Browning was able to to do against the Jaguars, uh, you know, putting up more than 300 yards and uh, leading that victory, even though Trevor Lawrence got hurt, they had a, a big-time day on offense. And the fact that there's the offense he's in, the track record it has over the past couple of years, uh, I thought Monday night was a bit of a reminder that while Joe Burrow, you know, losing Joe Burrow takes something off the ceiling of these Bengals when they were a Super Bowl contender, there's still a floor by the fact that they've got Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon out of the backfield, a stable scheme that's been in place for a few years that Jake Browning is now able to sort of step into and manage and know what he's doing with guys around him to help him out. Kind of feels like when you look at where this the Colts have gone over the past month, they've faced kind of four straight teams that to their credit they've taken they've they've taken care of. They've done the thing they need to do. But the passing games they've faced have either been banged up quarterback in Baker Mayfield, rookie quarterbacks in Will Levis and and, uh, Bryce Young, or a quarterback literally benched in that game in Mac Jones. The last time they kind of faced a non-injured, non-rookie quarterback uh, was Derek Carr, and it didn't go well for them. So I think they have a little bit of something to prove this week going on the road against a Bengals team that, that is on a backup quarterback, but he's, he seems to be playing pretty well, and they've got the weapons that if they're not ready to go, like they can definitely take advantage of them. Did you watch the Monday night game at all? Nope. I took that night off of watching sports, so did not watch them and did not watch the Pacers. Uh, Jake Browning looked good, really good. Um, and and it's always hard to tell, like, if if it's a bad night for a defense, if it's a good night for a quarterback, especially especially when you have the uh, you know you you only have the TV copy, you can't see the full um, the full field. I always feel like that's an important thing for me is to be able to see the full field to get a, a feel for how a quarterback's playing. But it's really hard to discount thirty two of thirty seven for three hundred and fifty four yards and a seventy six yard touchdown to James, to Jamar Chase. You know. You're, you're, it was it was really good from him, and he he honestly the Bengals were in control of that game. The only reason it was so close was that Zach Taylor had one of the silliest pick uh, trick play decisions I've seen in a while, where they tried it inside the twenty and it got picked off. Uh, Peyton Manning was losing it on the Manning cast that they let the wide receiver throw the ball instead of him, uh, or instead of the quarterback who was I think at the time was either seventeen of nineteen or eighteen of twenty one or something like that. The Jaguars' secondary has been kind of gettable, I think, if you don't throw interceptions this year. But at the same time, it was it was a it was a little bit arresting to like have thought of this game against the Bengals as a as an easy game, and instead it's not. You know, it's supposed to be a game against a, a lost backup quarterback, and instead you're getting a backup quarterback who I think, if you give the right plan to, he can execute it, which is a really big difference that we've seen in the NFL this season is can you play with your backup quarterback? Can you not play with your backup quarterback? Yeah, it's uh, it's sort of become the challenge of their season is can they rise above given the spot that they're in uh, with their backup quarterback? And, and this is where the credit goes to 
so many people within the Colts right now with Shane Steichen, Gus Bradley, uh, really what they're doing on both sides of the ball to compensate for personnel losses. Really their lines on both sides of the ball, the way that they're second in sacks on defense and uh, an offensive line that is really now they can trust in like these situations where they have to go down and, and score late in a game. Very different than last season. Uh, you know, the run game up until this week, this is probably another side area where uh, side concern is just – I think I think it's it's regressing now that, that Jonathan Taylor's not out there and Zach Moss is um, – he's carried it all season long, but it's, uh, you know, it's getting tough late in the year. But they've delivered for most of the year. And then really what's helped out the Colts so much is just how – good their wide receivers suddenly are uh michael pittman jr looking like a a number one eight at least eight catches four straight weeks now eight eight times in the season he's done that alec pierce had his first hundred yard game and really should add a lot more and then he's been quiet for the past couple weeks but josh downs has has been terrific as a rookie and uh his on pace numbers are probably still over over 900 yards and so they they have insulated the quarterback they have well, but even within doing that, their passing game numbers overall, yards when it comes to yards per attempt, the number of times they're finding the end zone, touchdowns, interception, it's not been very good, but they've survived because it's often been better than what they're going up against, which is again is a statement on both what they're up against, the the the, the quality of offenses, but also credit to the Colts for uh, their pass rush has really just pounded these guys. And so mostly the Colts have not gone up against that type of defense, that type of, you know, that, that type of dominant defense that can really make them pay for the issues they have and, and let it snowball. And their defense is the one that's jumping on teams uh, in that way. So uh, this will be another week where we're, we're going to kind of see. This is the first one, though. I should say it's the only one in the past four outside of, of the Buccaneers where I felt like uh, – I would have to say, coming into this game, the opponent has the clear edge at quarterback. The uh, the interesting part is um, with the way the Colts are playing. The Colts are eighth in the league in in offense in terms of points, which is, I mean, I know historically everyone's talked about yards as as total offense, but total offense should be points. It should like it shouldn't be scoring offense and total offense. It should be total offense. Yeah, uh, points are the only thing that matters. But uh, the uh, it's it's one of those things where if you look at the so there's there I have a story that's that's up probably by the time you're listening to this uh, on on the remarkable nature of this. But they're eighth in league in points. Their quarterback is 24th in the league among qualified passers in terms of quarterback rating, and the other seven teams in front of them. All of the the lowest any of their quarterbacks are in quarterback rating is thirteenth, and that's Jalen Hurts, who also rushes for like a touchdown a game. So, the the way the Colts' offense is playing with their backup quarterback is is really really hard to like. It's it's hard to put into words how how good a job Shane Steichen is doing because it's it's right there in the numbers. Like they the Colts do not have a lot of yards per attempt. Garner Minshew is—he's kind of playing it like you'd expect him to play as a backup, and Shane Steichen is still scoring points. They're still scoring just a ton of points. Yeah, and I think it's just 
again, worth shouting out the offensive line and how they've transformed what this team is from last year to this year. Last year they were the reason, the, the, the biggest reason why that whole plan around Matt Ryan just completely fell apart. This year they're the reason this is working without Anthony Richardson and with some other you know, issues going on. No Jelani Woods all year, Jonathan Taylor in and out. Like The offensive line has found a way to – uh, really limit quarterback hits and also at times be very lethal on the ground. And that's that. those two things are what you have to have if you're going to put in just about any backup quarterback, especially the one that they have who uh, Gardner Minshew can operate you know, the RPO game very well. He can kind of manage in terms of being a leader out there to get, get you in position, but he's not going to you know, do very well when he's under pressure. And they've, they've kept – pressure off him really really well this season at times the pressure that happens is he's sort of running into it uh but for the most part they have they have let him feel you know drop back and throw a quick game uh, and thrive that way and then what that's done is it's it's reaffirmed some things I think we all we we thought last year about the Colts receivers which is that they were we're all better than their production line uh really indicated that that Reggie Wayne's doing a tremendous job, I think, developing the skill sets, play, the young players within those skill sets. The room is in, incredibly close, and we're just seeing the way it met, it meshes up together where you've got Alec Pierce's deep speed, and we're seeing he is capable of making those plays when they give him the chance and they give him the ball in stride. Uh, we're seeing you know, Michael Pittman Jr. has been that guy that, that teams, are, teams know is going to get the ball, and he's just really changed the way that he prepares for teams, the way that he studies opponents and – uh, matches up his route depth with you know playing negative back to the ball to create separation for some of these yak plays and then even though he's been been quiet the last couple of years jo- a couple of weeks Josh Downs has uh, you know he's he's been such a natural fit in the slot especially a guy that that Gardner can kind of just work good ball placement to and and let him go from there so uh, they've just the offensive line stabilizing like I don't know that the offensive line I don't know quite where they they rank in some of these things if they're, you know, a top 5 offensive line, but the 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 difference from last year to this year is so night and day that it's brought out the upside in the backfield and the wide receivers and let those guys sort of carry the backup quarterback and that's that's the type of mixture especially when you obviously add in what Shane's doing. That's what I think a lot of these other teams on backups don't have. They don't have the ability to lift that guy up. The Colts do, and that's why they're winning. I would say that there's probably some noise in the stats anyway with the offensive line because of Minshew's tendency to run into sacks. Um, it, there's I, I don't know that I've seen a stat that didn't look like they were maybe estimating, estimating those correctly. Estimating those correctly. Um, it just seems like they're – they're, they're, I've seen a few sacks that were described offensive linemen like the day after, and I like when I thought about seeing it in game, it felt like it was something that he'd done. Um, you know, uh, I do have some good news for the Colts' offense, which has been very good at scoring points. The Bengals' defense is terrible. Do, do you want to hear some? You want to hear some numbers on on the Bengals' defense? Sure. They are thirty second in yards per game, thirty second in yards per play, twenty uh, seventh in rushing yards per game. 31st in rushing yards per carry they are 27th in passing yards per game but also 31st in passing yards per play 
this is I mean these are not the numbers of a six and six team, but it's partially because of this. If if the Bengals are going to beat you, they're going to turn you over. Their fifth in interception rate, their their pass rush, despite having Trey Hendrickson, is kind of more middle of the road. All of the conversion stats, except for fourth down, they're weirdly good on fourth down, um, which might just be a, a sample size type thing. Uh, is that they're they're pretty much all bad. It's it's just if you can protect the ball against Cincinnati, you can you can get a lot of points on them because they're tied for eighth in the NFL with 19 turnovers and 12 of those are interceptions. That's that's how I think the Colts I think that's how the Colts offense doesn't have a good day. And Gardner Minshew has probably overly protected the football in some of these games. You know, I think the him sliding before they got to the first down marker is a good example of this. But like in this game it probably matters more than any any other game because that's that's Cincinnati's only way to beat you. Yeah, it's just surprising to see the Bengals slide that much on defense. You know, after certainly in the postseason, those that group has risen up. They do tend to get better late in the year, uh, but still, I, I think they're just they're feeling the loss of Jesse Bates in the offseason, leaving for the Falcons has left them with two rookies in their secondary, and run defense was not their strength either. It's just sort of all all gone wrong for them outside of what you mentioned which is their ability to create turnovers which is I think is a mix of Trey Henderson can still be a guy that gives you problems and Lou Anarumo uh, considered one of the best defensive coordinators is just really good at, at occasionally bringing the coverage disguise the right mix of pressure to confuse the quarterback into a turnover and it is something that Colts are going to have to watch for because I know since they had that turnover flurry against the Jaguars and Browns, the, those numbers have gotten normal for them in terms of mostly for the turnovers they're having. But, again, context matters so much here is that they have had, you know, they had two games where they basically didn't have to put the ball in play at all for any reason against the Patriots and Panthers, and Shane Steichen smartly didn't. But the two games that have been back to facing at least something – something like an NFL offense, uh, Colts have had turnover risk for sure. I mean, Gardner Minshew threw a pick against uh, the Buccaneers, had another one that Alec Pierce so wonderfully broke up, fumbled at the goal line against the Titans, and then it doesn't count as a turnover in the stats, but he got picked off on the two-point conversion play. Uh, like there are – you have a couple – you know, the, basically two tur- two-ish turnovers a game. Uh, that's where it can – if they're in a spot now where they're kind of like they were last week, where they are having to answer scores or they're having to they're having to push it, they can't just go kind of kind of safe mode. That's what I think is going to happen against the Bengals. Is that is because of their their weapons on offense, the things they can force you to do. That's where that's the Bengals' formula. I think is is have a competent enough offense that you force the opposing passing game to take a few risks and then. That's where your defense, where you give up a ton of yards in production, can occasionally get the right mix of pressure and uh, and a confusing look to turn them over, especially for the Colts going as an indoor team going outdoors in December on the road. Uh, that is something to watch for. Those those are good points, especially since there was you know two picks that didn't happen that could have. Uh, one of them was kind of Trey Sermon's fault. That one he batted up into the air and nearly got picked off. The other one was like 
the weird one at the end where the defensive lineman almost picked it off. Oh yeah. Um, so th- you can't have those. Uh, it's a big game for Bernard Bernhard Ryman uh, because Trey Hendrickson has eleven and a half sacks. They have thirty two overall. Trey Hendrickson has eleven and a half. I think the next most is five for Sam Hubbard. It, essentially, if you can block Trey Hendrickson, you can block the Bengals. And Bernhard Ryman has obviously played very well this season. Big game for him uh, against Hendrickson. And then you know just a big game in terms of you can't if you put the ball. It seems like if you put the ball in jeopardy, that the Bengals are going to pick it off. Um, it's it's interesting. It, I think you made a really good point there, just about the fact that they've they've had a little bit of. You feel it? Well, let me rephrase that. Do you feel like they've had a little bit of turnover luck, just with some of the near misses we just mentioned? Yeah, I think so. Certainly, the way that they get they get uh, they get tracked in there. There just have been so many play. There have been so many moments from Gardner that have introduced risk whenever he's had to hold the ball beyond two and a half seconds. That if you have a situ, if you you know, if the pass rush is getting home, if you know, guys are making the plays in coverage. They should be able to turn that kind of uh, the, that kind of play into turnovers. And so, against for the most part, against the Patriots, and actually, it was mostly just against the Panthers. The Colts were able to not do anything even remotely risky. But even the Patriots game, some of Gardner Minshew's play under pressure like that, <laughs> it gave you a lot of nervous feelings about what is going to result from this play, and. I think he's started to he's he's gotten that in his head and he's started to find ways to even when it's looking frantic throw the ball away or just <laughs> yeah I had a play against the Buccaneers where he just didn't scramble just just not going to risk it didn't slide last week like he's he is looking out for that a lot but that's where the the you know when he's not in a situation where you know you could do that punt and still win the game uh, that's where I think. If he's kind of forced to make throws, we saw that more against the Browns and Jaguars. Is that those offenses, you know, they they were and even somewhat their defenses were explosive enough that kind of caused an explosive answer out of the Colts. They got some explosive plays, but they turned it over a lot. So it's just every game still feels like that uh, that fine line between how do you be aggressive without turning it over because it doesn't seem like there's an easy way out of uh, both of those things. Well, one of the ways that I think they've, they've been aggressive without turning it over is that is some of the trick play stuff, which it seems weird saying like trick plays are eliminating risk. But essentially Shane Sykin is, is using deception a little bit to create big plays. You know, if it's if it's the, the RPO for a, a first down to Michael Pittman on fourth and short, the, the Mo Alley-Cox play, uh, the trick play Germany, it's called Germany, the, the reverse flea flicker. He, he's kind of manufactured some explosive plays with those calls. I think that's another sign of, of just the job he's doing is knowing that he needs explosive plays, knowing that if he asks for asks to get them the traditional way by pushing it down the field. Now, they did it They did it last week against against the uh, Titans. And so if, you, if you're going against another bad defense and, and the Bengals seem like they're a bad defense like that, you may be able to get them traditionally. But if he can't get them traditionally, it seems like he's done a good job of manufacturing them um you know you think about especially the ones against uh oh, i'm blanking now who did they play before the titans the buccaneers um especially the ones against the buccaneers those were not difficult throws they weren't downfield throws they were short quick throws but they went they went for 24 and 31 yards those are explosive plays you know like i think that's one of the the secrets to what he's done so far this year uh since since they 
found out that Anthony Richardson wasn't going to be the starting quarterback is he's found ways to kind of manufacture uh, some some big plays down the field when when you can't just do like what the Chiefs do and just drop back. Yeah, he's he's been uh, the hero of the past month for them is is finding ways to cut down that turnover risk while, like you said, introducing explosiveness that really is play design operative that but but low risk on the quarterback those have almost all been you know there, there's some version of either a pitch back a fake in, in deception in, in totally based on down and he's finding the right times to run it down a distance a couple of those were fourth and one so you expect them to just to hand it off uh it it becomes imperative though because losing jonathan taylor stresses your need to generate those explosives you don't have that guy in the backfield who is a risk of just taking it to the house or even at least ripping you know what's a a 10-yard blocked play into a a 45-yard run Zach Moss uh you know Zach Moss just isn't that same style of player I know he's he's had a couple explosive plays when it's when it's lined up uh but for the most part if a team is – and maybe the Bengals can't. Their defense has struggled against the run all year. So maybe this is a get-right game for, for them just off of a, a tough performance last week against the Titans. But for the most part, the explosiveness is going to have to come in either play design or as much as they can get the ball to like an Alec Pierce down the field. Uh, so last week was an interesting you know, example where they, for the first time, really felt like they were emphasizing that, trying it. And sometimes it worked, and sometimes it didn't. But the payoff to those plays is so huge. One 36-yard touchdown, and the other, uh, the long catch down the sideline that set up the game-winning touchdown. They just got they got to hit a couple of those. If you can hit a couple explosive plays a game between play design and Alec Pierce, you know you'll be in. You'll have a good chance to win just about any game. Uh, but you know that's where. There is such a need for that, though, because it's it's not something right now that I think you can count on coming from your run game, uh, which just kind of adds to the challenge of life with a backup quarterback. I'm I'm not really sure what to make of the run game right now. It it feels like they've had just as many games where they've run for 150 yards and look great the way they did against Tampa Bay, as they have you know games like they did they were. I think it was like 50-something yards last week. It was 70 and 78 against the Panthers and Patriots. It it doesn't feel like you can count on the running game to be there. Now, it might show up. And, and the matchup this week against the Bengals, you, you feel like their defense has been so bad against everything that, the, that you probably have a good matchup. But, like, it's just hard to tell if the running game is going to be there in a big way or not at this point. And – yeah, I, I don't know if I have a good answer for that either in terms of, um, you know, obviously like last week sort of makes sense because uh, Tennessee had a good front and, and some good good stats against the run. But the week before that, they played Tampa Bay, who's great against the run or was until they played the Colts. Uh, and then two weeks before that, they played the Panthers, who were awful against the run. And, and she <laughs> kept them to 70 yards. It, the rhyme or reason to what happens – in the run game it is pretty difficult and it doesn't it's not even it's it hasn't been in even running back specific now i do think jonathan taylor has played better than zach moss and created more yards but they've had games where the overall numbers are rough even though taylor looks good looks like he's creating yards it's it's really hard to get a handle on what the running game is going to do week in and week out for me 
Yeah, it's been strange because just the perfect way to break it down is the two games against the Titans. They ran absolutely insane. Zach Moss's best game of the season the first time they faced them, and then this time they, they couldn't get anything going. And I think it was 193 the first game and I think 57 the second game. Yeah, and the same guy was sort of the bell cow of both of those uh, both of those games and I don't know, same offensive line. So it's just kind of odd. It's so it gets into, I mean, it's teams roll out different plans and, and the Colts are responding to it. It's either, they're either getting teams out of, you know, it's this bare front diamond front, or sometimes they're not um, like the Bengals, the, the Buccaneers game specifically, they were throwing, throwing, throwing a lot. And then also, you know, they, they run so much RPO to where either if the run wasn't open, it was a quick throw. They, they executed that so, so well that they got the, the Buccaneers to stop playing that defense. But they aren't doing that same thing every single week to that degree. And so it's interesting. It's just I think there is also there's, – there's not a floor to this run game right now, though, because Jonathan Taylor's not out there creating some things. Uh, Zach Moss – you know, he's had a very nice year, but I do think that he's starting to show a little bit of just, you know, he he is human. He is – you can't put everything on him in terms of his running styles between he's, the tackles. Uh, he's not an elite back. Is that what you're yeah. trying to say? Yeah. He's not an elite back, and it's just I think he's – I think some part of him is wearing down a little bit. Uh, at least if you're going to make him – he took every single carry for them this week. I just don't know that that's the best – that that's – you know, you're going to keep him fresh and efficient doing that. And so, also, if he were to get hurt, you know, sure hope that doesn't happen. But they just don't seem like they have another running back that they trust. And the quarterback doesn't, outside of a few occasional, you know, scrambles at the goal line, which have been fun, does not really add to the production there. So, uh, it's hard to say. Like it just feels like you you get a sense early on in a game if this is going to be a day where they run pretty well or not. And I don't know. They if they don't have it this week though, that's uh, going on the road outdoors. Uh, that's it's a little gets you a little bit more nervous. Yeah, the Carolina game is the one that's kind of like nagging me right now about the run game is because Carolina's defense that was the that was the the blueprint on them right was that they just gave up tons of yards in the running game. And they kind of did early. Taylor had like a good drive, and then Carolina switched its front. It was over. Um, and so, like, yes, looking like I said, looking at it, they should run all over the Bengals. Bengals have been terrible against the run. Maybe they won't. <laughs> and and I don't really know how to predict that. I don't really know how to predict whether or not it's going to be like that or not. Um, because on the flip side of it, you have Tampa Bay. Like Todd Bowles is known for stopping the run. Colts ran all over them it's just kind of a weird weird thing to try to get a handle on with this offense Uh, ultimately you know we're kind of breaking all this down and looking at it it's 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 interesting because you're you're almost like wondering like when is this four game win streak when when is it not gonna when's it gonna end um because it's it's clear that the Colts are playing above what you would expect given the fact that they've lost their starting quarterback Jonathan Taylor's not in there they've had other injuries um Shaq Leonard didn't end up coming back to the level that they were hoping he would get back to the secondary has been iffy 
uh, for most of the season. Like the, There's a lot of reasons that you would think that maybe this team shouldn't be seven and five and in a playoff spot with uh, looking at it like, you know, they're going to be favored in a lot of these games down the stretch, but they are, they're here. And, and that's what I keep thinking is like, we're making, we've been making jokes now about um, where we're going to end up in the playoffs. Nate, Nate likes to keep, well, I'm going to let you tell them what you've been threatening me with, with the Colts making the playoffs. Well, this is why you were watching Monday night, rooting (laughs) hard for the Bengals uh, because the Jaguars (laughs) have been flirting with that that two seed line, which means if the Colts were to get like the seven seed, they would travel to uh, Joel's favorite place in the universe for the first round matchup in Jacksonville. And I've been pitching to our editor that if that happens, just to bring you guys the very best coverage that you could ever get, Joel would spend the week down there covering the Jaguars angle so he could have just that full, you know, full week in Jacksonville to build up to that matchup. This is this is what I get for making you do a villain of the a week every week, isn't it? Is that that's the genesis? Of I've this, become right? the villain <laughs> in your life. Um, the the worst part though is the worst part though is and not for you guys, not for you guys, uh, but I think you guys will enjoy that I came up with this. I realized that the worst case scenario is not going to Jacksonville in the first round. The worst case scenario is that the Colts make the playoffs and avoid the Jaguars in the first round. And I feel like, okay, it's it's fine. And it like the seeding doesn't work for them to play them in the second round or whatever. And then something crazy happens and the Colts win their game and whatever has whatever else has to happen. And after I think I've escaped going to Jacksonville twice in one season, it happens to me in the second round of the playoffs. <laughs> I think that's the real danger. I think that's worse than, than what you brought up in the first place. Yeah, and it would have something happening where it would look like they're for sure going to, like, Miami. And they yeah, 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 Dolphins yeah, yeah. would lose yeah, exactly. on Hail Mary, and you'd realize that it's actually Jacksonville. E- exactly. That's exactly the type of scenario where, like, I, like, I get my hopes up. Like the, and, like, the Colts, like, win on Saturday, and it's like, oh, okay, they're definitely going to go to Miami. And then something ha- like you said, like I'm yep. just sitting there on Sunday, and it's like, oh no, we have to change. That. We have to change our plane plans. I have to fly to Jacksonville instead. <laughs> yeah. Um, last time we were there, there were these ripped off highway signs uh, that we made. I'm still so about. furious that those exist. I think if if Joel has to go back down there, there'll be a lot more like rip ripped up <laughs> stuff and destruction in that city. <laughs> <laughs> from me is what you're suggesting yes. <laughs> just raging that you have to work there uh that's 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 where my head's at right now i'm i'm concerned i mean obviously i think colts fans are probably concerned that they have to go back to jacksonville just given you know gestures in jacksonville's general direction um but i'm with you because i don't like going there <laughs> and and so that's 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 where my head's at right now in terms of the colts playoff push is how do we how do we avoid uh how do we avoid me having to fly to Jacksonville in the first round? Now, I will say this. I will say this. An alternate Joel, positive Joel development has arisen with the injury to Trevor Lawrence. So you're saying you're happy Trevor got hurt? No, that's mean. <laughs> I would never say that. I'm saying, I'm saying if he were to miss time, which, I mean, I know he has a high ankle sprain and the Jaguars are trying to say he he's going to play and all that stuff. Okay, just saying. There's a what if the Colts win the division oh. and the Jaguars have to come here? Oh, and then I'm out of it entirely. 
See, I gave you the lane to just say, no, you were looking out for Trevor's health and he needs to rest for the next month. <laughs> Don't play any games. Your long-term matters so much. The, the Jaguars can just fall out of positioning in the, in the given, South. Given where that conversation started, the listeners would know what, what, what I was what, would yeah. know. That, that, like, but I, that's that's my out. My out is the very very is the low percentage chance. I think it's low percentage because I think Lever- Lawrence is probably going to be back. Um, yeah, and it's at just, some point. The the math on it is they're currently a they're currently a game behind the Jaguars, but, but it's it feels two. like two because of the tiebreaker and with so few games left. You know, if the Jaguars go two and three, the Colts have to go four and one. And the Jaguars have to play Baltimore, but essentially, other than that, they've they don't have a lot of meat on their schedule left either. So, like, it, it does seem like a long shot, but it's the long shot that keeps me from going back to Jacksonville. Oh. You gotta have hope. <laughs> yeah, well, especially since like Nate came up with this idea like three weeks ago. You should have seen the think, just pure terror that went down Joel's face I, when I did. I hadn't thought of it at all. I hadn't thought of it one bit. In fact, I think the way the conversation started, maybe it wasn't three weeks ago. Maybe it was two weeks ago. It feels like three weeks because we're already halfway through the next week. But it was it was after they beat Tampa Bay, and mm-hmm. I said I could go to Miami in the first week of the playoffs. And Nate immediately was like, or you could go back to Jacksonville. <laughs> and my brain my brain hadn't even allowed me to go there. I just hadn't not, even thought about it. Hey, they're both Florida. They're not the same thing. <laughs> That's the worst. No. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, ask, we'll ask Stephen Holder sometime. He's from Miami. <laughs> the Miami native. We'll yep. ask him if it's the same as Jacksonville. Yep. That, right might get, that might get more mean stuff than I say. <laughs> yeah. But I'm probably going to keep that here in the podcast. Uh, I don't want to get hit. <laughs> anyway. So that's that's your fun little interlude to know that Nate is causing me nightmares. Um, and his, the worst part is your scenarios are much more plausible than mine is. Yeah, I know. The, the, the real terror in you is realizing that that actually was quite plausible. Yeah, the math is not, the math is not as good for me uh, in terms of the Jaguars having to come up here. Um, but hey, I, the, the good news is I know people listening to this podcast are on my side. They don't want me to go to Jacksonville either. No, they don't. They don't want their any anybody associated with the Colts to go to Jacksonville. Though, wouldn't it be amazing if that was the one time that they, you know, they got off the uh, the Schneid and they won? Um, Jacksonville. Yes, that would be that would be a really great storyline <laughs> for someone to cover. <laughs> that would be that would be a really great storyline. Um, they, I mean, they could also you know just just break their streak next year when we have to go. Not this year when we, we don't yeah. have to go. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever think we would – look at what we are. We're here in week – was it week 14 now? And we are discussing where the Colts are going to go, the playoffs. This is not where I thought we would end up when Anthony Richardson went down for the year. But that is sort of the fun nature of this season. Yeah, it's the, flip, it's the flip side of last season. Last season it started out with lots of hopes and promise and it ended up being like the worst thing to cover ever. And this year has been the opposite. You not that we expected it to be like the worst thing ever. I was pretty excited about covering Richardson. We just didn't know if it would translate to the team the way it has. Um, although I do think I do think Kevin Bowen deserves credit for saying this schedule uh, gives a lot of opportunity to the Colts. Uh, he was definitely right about that. But as soon as Richardson went down, I think don't, I don't think I saw this happening at all. So it is no. it is very interesting to find out that we're here. Um, talking about a team that they're going to be in the playoff mix 
down to the wire now. I mean, seven and five, I think, definitely puts you in that spot, given the quarterbacking situations of some of these other AFC teams and the, the teams that have lost. The Broncos losing last week. Um, the Chargers are like almost out of it, kind of. They kind of have to like win out. And they haven't even lost their superstar quarterback. Yeah, like there's, there's, they're, they're in this to the end now. And that's, like I said, I'll, I'll end this where I started it. It's a really remarkable what Shane Steichen's doing uh, in terms of what he hasn't had. They've, they've missed Jonathan Taylor now for five, five games this season. They, have, they only had Anthony Richardson for 170 snaps. You can throw in not having their preferred tight end, probably their preferred tight end. They've never said that. That's just me guessing. Um, and, and then, like I said, not getting Shaq Leonard back to who Shaq Leonard was supposed to be. The secondary has its issues. It's, it's pretty remarkable that, that we're talking about this team this way at this point. Yeah, if they continue staying in the hunt like they are, he should be in the running for coach of the year. Uh, doesn't sound like he's going to get as you know that there's as much buzz for that nationally as as there should be. But uh, kind of think between him, D'Amico Ryan's of the Texans, Kevin Stefanski of the Browns. Those are the guy. Those are the teams that are either winning with a rookie quarterback or overcoming just so much carnage at that position. And that's usually not the way to try to make it in the playoffs in the AFC. And that's why I brought up the Chargers. The fact that there are teams out there that have elite quarterbacks and still can't win. I think it does put a little bit more spotlight on the, the coaches like Shane Steichen who are overcoming such uh, like crippling injuries and, uh, and, and sometimes just flat-out poor play at that position in a league where that's usually what wins and loses. Colts have an interesting one coming up this week against the Bengals. Um, can kind of – I mean, it's a, it's a big one considering that the Bengals are back to 6-6 six and six now because that is another team that is – in the hunt for a wild card, they're only a, they're only a game behind you. They win the game, and and all of a sudden they have a, they have the edge in head to head. So this is this is actually a pretty big game for the Colts. The first of a couple down the stretch here because Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh like Kenny Pickett's out, but Kenny Pickett wasn't playing well. So that's going to be another one between two teams competing for playoff spots. You've got Houston. Um, this is the first one against the Bengals. Uh, I think a much more interesting game after Monday night than we realized. And the the Colts are in the middle of their playoff push. Uh, For the Colts Cover 2 podcast, this has been Joel A. Erickson and Nate Atkins. We'll be back again Sunday night, probably uh, on the highway back from Cincinnati, uh, breaking down whatever happens in this Colts-Bengals game.